We're back again. It's Chase and Josh with Factor Fantasy. That's Chase and I'm Josh. And we're here to give you episode five in House of the Dragon today. A lot of big moments come up here. Uh, this is going to be a really exciting episode. Some of the actors and actresses that we see from the beginning of this season to this point here will be the last time we see them and it's going to be really really interesting you know I, I'm the one that took us through episode four last week Chase is going to dive into episode five today but really interesting to see where this storyline goes and where it takes us and so before we go ahead and get started I'll let Chase say a few words and then we'll dive into it yeah I mean uh, this is actually uh, this is a I was expecting this to be a slow episode before I saw it for the first time because we've had so many action-packed moments in this series already uh, especially with the last one and all the twists that came in but not HOD man house of house of dragon house of the dragon just keeps going on the up and up with twists and turns and uh, really enjoyed this moment um, because one thing Jay Nelly and I were talking about earlier is this is the last time you will see Millie Adcock and Emily Carey, uh, who are younger versions of Rhaenyra Targaryen and Alicent Hightower on screen. So uh, this is going to be a good one. All right, I mean, I guess without further ado, I'll let you kind of dive on in, take us away with the notes, and guide us through this bad boy. Let's do it. So it starts off, we're actually seeing Lady Rhea over at the Vale. Uh, if y'all forget, Lady Rhea is who Damon's wife is currently. Um, and Jay Nelly, actually, credit to him, he brought this up to me. At the very beginning, uh, she's conversing with her cousin, and she's about to go on this horse ride uh, with her stallion, and he offers to go with her. You want to go into that for just a second? Sure. Yeah, just like you said. And we're going to find out who he is later on at the very end of this episode. I don't think it hurts to kind of say his name now, but his name is Sir Gerald Royce. Uh, but anyways, because she is Lady Rhea Royce of the Vale, and as Chase had mentioned, she is Daemon Targaryen's lawful wife. And so as they, she's on her stallion riding on a hunt, she was hunting uh, deer, the, this gentleman, who we find out because she like says the word cousin, so we know they're related... He asks if she wants company on her ride, and she declines it, which is kind of interesting because of what's about to happen here. I'm curious what may have happened if she accepted his company on the ride back towards the Vale here because she's going to run into a little bit of trouble, and you know, that's all I'll say about that, and I'll let you take it away from there. That's an excellent one, too. That's a that's a debate for later on in the show, I think. <laughs> but... uh so as uh, Lady Rhea is riding on her stallion, she gets stopped, and it's this man in this black hood, and you'll find out just from, I usually don't have a lot of dialogue, but I thought this was interesting, kind of the back and forth here. With Actually, if you listen close to this dialogue, it kind of has a little bit of full circle moments, in a way. <laughs> so Lady Rhea says, husband. So now we know this is Damon Targaryen. You can see he has a short blonde hair, just like the last episode we talked about. What brings you to the Vale, or have you at last come to consummate our marriage? The Vale's sheep might be willing, even if I'm not. Our sheep are prettier, after all. <laughs> and that's why I wanted to read this. Remember that when Damon was talking about earlier in the other episodes, when he was talking to Otto Hightower, ironically, that we talked about last episode that got axed from his position. <laughs> the sheep are prettier. <laughs> I would prefer to fuck a sheep. 
And uh, she says, or perhaps your brother has at last had his fill of your company, cast you aside in favor of a little girl. What will you do now? Will you strike the child down? Or Rhea begins to reach for a bow, and then her white stallion rears back and she falls off the back of the horse as Damon is starting to slowly approach. Damon starts to taunt her. Typical Damon Targaryen way. You're, you're very wondering here. I don't know about you, but I really was. What the fuck is about to go down here? It, it was. What do you think in this moment? It was interesting because Damon didn't say a, a word during this entire exchange. He was completely silent. And so when he put his hand up to the mare's nose, it, it started to kind of freak out. And that's when it, it reared itself back and she fell off the back of the horse. And the horse landed on her, crushing her. So she was paralyzed. And he was wondering if, if she could move. And what he did, he stepped on her arm to see if she could feel it. And when he realized that she was fully paralyzed, he was just going to leave her there to die. But that's when she decides she wants to talk some more shit. And then we, we have a problem because, uh, you know, she says, I knew you couldn't finish the job. And then, you know, you never, you never want to, you know, poke the bear, so to speak. And she poked the bear. And uh, it's when he picks take up. Take it that. away. Take this part. Take this part. You're good at this one. I want you to take it. Yeah, basically, uh, after he stepped on her arm and realized that she was paralyzed, uh, he goes to walk off and just leave her there. And she said, I, I knew you were, I, I didn't write the exact quote down, but something along the lines of, like, I knew you couldn't finish the job. You're a craven, basically calling him a coward. And that made Damon stop in his tracks. And he looks down at the ground, picks up this big-ass rock, and walks right back over to her. And you see him raise it, and then as the scene was about like as it comes down on her you see like a butcher's knife cut the head off a fish so uh we will learn what happened because it is said by a character later on of what happened to later later Rhea royce and how she was found but uh it was brutal i'll say that and i'll just go ahead and turn it back over to you absolutely and this is i want to ask you a question on this because me, I'm very team Damon because I, I like him. It's interesting. I never like to root for... I can't describe him as like a sick bastard, really. But then he does things like this and like in the beginning where, you know, he had the gold cloaks like ravage the city. But then he does stuff like save the stepstones. I, I don't know. It's like he kind of walks this like fine line for himself of what he morally thinks he's doing right is good for the realm and what he thinks he's doing but then like how do you justify that shit you just like killed your fucking wife man <laughs> i don't know what's your what's your thought on damon right now well i i, I always enjoy damon's character uh and i think you bring up a good point when you say he seems to struggle internally with his moral compass but the what i've come to see is damon will do whatever it takes literally whatever it takes if it gets <laughs> him and his ideologies closer to coming to fruition so in my mind here the reason why he ended up killing his wife and look he almost made it as tame as it could possibly be i think she made the mistake of taunting him and give him some extra shit. He probably wouldn't have smashed her head in with the fucking rock if, uh, you know, she didn't they try to antagonize him. But, you know, just killing his wife, what that does is it now frees him up to marry again. And that was kind of the whole deal where we left off a couple episodes ago 
where you remember Damon tried to ask Viserys for Rhaenyra's hand in marriage and thought that he could potentially get the realm that way, you know? And then one the reason why I say this for this episode is what happens at the very, very end of who he starts, you know, coming becoming familiar with at the end of this episode and ends up having some sort of life with, you know, I don't want to give anything away just yet. But it, it seems to me he's been making calculated moves on a chessboard. So, and he never consummated the marriage with Lady Rhea because she asked him, have you come to consummate our marriage? Well, like, I'm not going to, but maybe the sheep might. Well, they, <laughs> they, they, that's interesting because they don't have any children together. And usually when someone of a high station passes away, all of their inheritance goes to their significant other, uh, the, the, their spouse. And this is a really big play by Damon because now he is due uh, all, all of what Lady Rhea had in her name and her, what she was like uh, in charge of. So, and we'll learn a little bit more about that, what that area is called and what that entails towards the end of this episode. But I think it was just a really calculated move that he's willing to do whatever it takes to put himself in the best, most powerful position possible. That's my overall takeaway from that, asking me about Damon's mentality and what I think of him. What about you? Yeah, it's... I hate to say this. I like to see when he goes rogue. <laughs> the rogue prince. Because it's exciting to see on screen. Like, in real life, would I actually support that kind of behavior? Absolutely not. But it is damn exciting to, like, see and guess, like, is this dude gonna go off the fucking rails again? And I absolutely love every fucking minute of it, man. But, yeah, absolutely. Just like you said, I think it's... I think deep down he has an actual really good moral compass because as we were talking about a few episodes ago, and you actually brought this up on the show, remember uh, this was in the second episode, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, when Corlys Valerian was asking for his help in the Stepstones, and he wasn't talking shit about Viserys, I'll say, but he brings up Viserys' name in a negative way. And Damon stops him and was like, you're not going to talk about my brother. Like, say what you want, but you're not going to talk about my brother. It's basically along the lines of what he was saying. And at the same time, too, then you had that situation with the brothels. And I think in Damon's mind, he... tell me, Correct me if you have a different opinion on this or give me your opinion on it. I think Damon was doing it in a way, like, in spite of his brother because he was pissed... But he knew how bad it would, you know, it would cause a problem in the realm if he actually continued to get together with Rhaenyra and the brothel. So he stopped. So I think that goes into his moral compass. Um, yeah, I disagree with because, you there like that, that, on that part. I don't think that had anything to do with it. I think that whole situation with Rainier, I don't think he stopped because he's like, oh, shoot, I'm her uncle. This is a bad thing to do. <laughs> like, no, hell no. For me, like, there, it, was, it was multifaceted. I, I believe that he was, because this uh, to this point, obviously we know that Rhaenyra, uh, we're talking about the point where they were in the brothel a couple episodes ago, um, she was a virgin at that point in time. And I think he was starting to realize she's getting to that age where she, maybe he was trying to tweak her mindset and get her to start thinking about being a becoming a woman, so to speak. Like, and 
it might have enticed her because you know what happens right after they leave the brothel she goes right upstairs and has that affair with Kristen Cole right so that is true that's a good way to think of it I think that he was trying to push her into that kind of mindset of of growing up and becoming not a child anymore and on top of that I think he did it for optics everyone because what ends up happening is people saw me they didn't try to hide it they were right there in the middle and so at that point in time I think his plan was he's pretty uh, King Viserys would pretty much be forced to have Rhaenyra and Damon wed each other because they were seen together doing that in the brothel and like you don't do that especially if you're a princess you're supposed to remain a virtue until you're married and so I think he did that for optics reasons and so that way he, like, he almost would corner Viserys and be like hey now you have to marry her to me because what's he want he wants to be on the Iron Throne he wants to be the heir to the realm so to me I just think he's always playing chess I don't really think that had anything to do with him being a good person or him coming to a realization like oh I shouldn't be doing this like no I don't think that had anything to do with it at all yeah, I mean, you you drive a good point because I wasn't really thinking about Kristen Cole in that situation. I was trying to give Damon the benefit of the doubt that he stopped his, um, his, in the words of Viserys, urges. <laughs> and that's all I'll say there. But uh, yeah, no, you you drive a good point. I, I I have to agree with you on this because I I think he walks a thin line with morality, but I think he still has one. But at the same time, man, he he. He, he's just he's he's Achilles in a way. Like you, you want him on your side, but in the words of Agamemnon, one of our favorite movies that we won't cover here because it's more like mythology. But Agamemnon, we've talked about this before. He said he's more likely to spear me than fight for me. Like you just don't know what's gonna happen with this guy. Just like in episode uh, three, he beat the. The messenger, the guy was a messenger, and he just beat him half to death with a helmet. Like, you just don't know where he's coming from. But I think that's the genius around this character here, is it you you want to support him because he's so, uh, so... I think the word's like polarizing, right? I think Polarizing, yeah. that's the word. Yeah, so... Great point. We'll get back on topic here, but no, that's, uh, I just wanted to get your opinion on that because it's, he's a very interesting character in my opinion. So back to where we were. <laughs> so now we have Viserys. Uh, Viserys, remember he's, he was sick last episode. He's been sick before. He's still sick now. Now he's even sick on a ship. He's seasick throwing up over on the ship here. And they're sailing out to, uh, what's the place called with Corlys Valerian? The high Driftmark tower. Like, so, drift so it's mark. called Driftmark, drift but like where they sit is like the high tides. Like it's the high, high tide, tides. The high That's tides in Driftmark. So, yeah, high tides in Driftmark. So they're sailing out there because he is going to propose Rhaenyra's hand in marriage to Laenor Valyrian. Which remember we talked about last episode that Janelle took us through. You know, he was like, "You are going to marry Laenor Valyrian, and I'm not going to hear anything about it. Like this is the deal. I'm already pissed." So that's going to happen. And at this time, we have Alicent, uh, and, and this is actually a very important uh, part of this show. Actually, this is one of my favorite parts. Uh, Alicent walks out in the rain and is going out to meet Otto before he rides off, and we're not going to see him for a good bit after this. So Otto like begins to start to argue his side of the situation, and so here's the dialogue here. Alicent says, a moment, I do not wish to see you go. Otto says, such is the king's decision. 
Allison, a decision I most bitterly regret. Otto, and yet you made it possible. You chose Rhaenyra. Allison, she swore her innocent and I believed her. Otto, you wanted to believe her, as did her father. Allison, your informant was wrong, an honest mistake perhaps, but I did not foresee this. You should have. If you had not been so relentless in advancing Aegon as heir, listen to me, daughter. The king will die. It may be months or years, but he'll not live to be an old man. And if Rhaenyra succeeds him, war will follow. Do you understand? The realm will not accept her. And to secure her claim, she'll have to put your children to the sword. She'll have no choice. You know it. You're no fool. And yet you choose to not see it. The time is coming, Alicent. Either prepare Aegon to rule, or you cleave to Rhaenyra and pray for her mercy. And he hugs Alicent uh, as she's crying and then just rides off. And we don't know what's going to happen, Otto, at this point. And that's a very powerful statement because um, I, I think this is a moment, too. You know, Alicent kind of tries to blame Otto in almost like a minute. Like, you put yourself in this situation. Why did you try to convince me of that? She swore this. And then Otto's like still conveying his point that no matter what you believe, whether this was right, this was wrong, whatever happened, happened. It doesn't matter. The realm will not change. So he's still sticking to that idea. Is that kind of what you got from that? Yeah, 100%. This is one of the things I was trying to tell people when they were just so against Otto. Obviously, as we get to the later episodes in the season, Otto definitely changes, uh, I would say, for the worse or maybe for his side for the better, depending on which side you support. But at this point in time, you can see he's still concerned about what's going to happen to the realm. He, he was mentioning to her that you know, if, if Rhaenyra succeeds King Viserys, war is going to follow. The realm's not going to accept her. And he gave her the choice. He gave Alicent the choice. Either you prepare Aegon to rule or you cleave to Rhaenyra and pray for her mercy. Because but she's not going to have a choice but to kill your children because they are a direct challenge to her succession to the throne. He's not saying it, in a, at least in my opinion, he's not saying it in a way where he's trying to twist like the words and manipulate her he's telling her the reality of the situation like this is what is going to happen that we've never in the history of our kingdom had a ruling queen and it's going to cause a lot of problems we're gonna have a war on our hands and you could prevent it if you just look past your friendship with Rhaenyra and realize that Aegon needs to be king for the greater good of the realm and that's kind of the theme that I got from that conversation he just had with her. I don't know. What did you think? Absolutely. I agree with you 100%. And this is where I have a problem with people trying to say, like, he could be a little finger or something like that. Because uh, 100% here, uh, you would think in this situation, someone, you might wind up having a situation where he's mad at Allison over something that happens, and then he has to go away. He's not. He's still thinking about the realm here and taking everything from an outside perspective and he's just saying like look this is the deal like no matter what you want this isn't about uh you know making people unhappy or making people happy this is straight what's gonna happen so you better start getting it together uh just like he told her you're no fool but yet you choose not to see it like you're choosing to be blind because of your own friendship here so i think that's a a big point so 
Uh, then we're back to the series in Rhyneria. Uh, so they arrive in High Tide. Uh, so what do you call it? Not High Tide, but the Corley's place. Driftmark is like, yeah, Driftmark is the whole like, of the island, and the High Tides are just where they sit on Driftmark. But yeah, so. Okay, gotcha. So Driftmark, Driftmark. I just called it Corley's house. <laughs> they showed up at Corley's house. Anyway, so they get there at Driftmark. And Lionel Strong, this is a point, uh, big point now, he's now the Hand of the King. Lena Valarian is older, so time has definitely passed here. And Corley's uh, isn't there to greet them when they arrive right on Driftmark. And it's kind of insulting in a way. Like, you would think he would be there. So you can definitely see there's still <clears throat> some tension in a way going on from what happened previously with the whole Stepstones incident. Uh, then we have the guy I would classify as, like, creepy... <laughs> in a way, Larry Strong is talking to Allison in the garden, and he's discussing Otto's departure and informs Allison of the tea that the Grand Maester brought to have Rhaenyra drink, which, remember, we talked about was, like, Plan B. Go for it. You want to talk about that? So, no, I wanted to talk about something right before that where, like you had mentioned, a little bit of insulting, where on Driftmark, Corlys wasn't there <laughs> to greet the king. Because we also see another character who's going to play a little bit of a role in the coming episodes. Because at first we see Lenor sparring with a sparring partner as they arrive there. And then coming down to greet them was Lena Valarian and Vaymond Valarian. And Vaymond, he yeah. plays a role. But So it was, to me, it was a slight insult, like a slight form of disrespect. Because they are still the higher, like of all the Valarians, all three of them there being Lenor, Lena, and Vaymond, outside of Corlys and Rhaenys, they're the next best, like, you know, heads of their houses, or whatever you want to call it, most important people on Driftmark. So it was just a little bit of a slight. I think they were just annoyed because yeah. of what ended up happening, and that was their, their way of kind of, you know, giving them that little bit of an insult. But that's all I wanted to say is that there was important people that did come down to receive them, but it was a sign of disrespect because it wasn't the head of Driftmark, Lord Corlys himself. But, you know, and I definitely want to point out that we see Vaymond again, and, you know, he already has issues. You know, we saw that when in episode three, where he he starts arguing with the war council, and, you know, Lenor is like, dude, what, what have you been doing here except becoming the master of complaints? And then Corlys even tells him, he's like, listen, brother, you're great and stuff, but I will not have you spreading mutiny across my army. So he's kind of like a spreader of discontent and discord, and you could see he was willing to take part, just like Lena and take part in this whole slight against the king here by not having Lord Corlys come out to, to greet him. And that's all I just wanted to bring up there. But I'll let you kind of go back to uh, Loras and Alicent in the Godswood. Absolutely. No, that was a great point. Uh, so back in the Godswood, though, but this is a big point because remember how we were just talking about with Otto and Alicent. And she even brought up to Otto, like, you know, you're basically almost like saying she believed Rhaenyra. Well, now it's the opposite <laughs> because she's been told this Grand Maester brings that the king is not going to order that to be brought unless there are some clear accusations here. And that's what I'll say. So this really sways, in my opinion, Alicent's opinion of Rhaenyra thinking that Rhaenyra lied. What do you think? Yeah, I think that Loras played his part very well here because he, he made it sound so innocent the way he said. He was like, oh, I hope the princess is feeling better because, 
she was very sick to the point where the Grand Maester Melos himself had to deliver a, a tea to her at this late night. And, you know, if it was the Grand Maester, it had to be really, really sick, you know, kind of just goading her into coming to the conclusion. And she was like, wait a second, the princess is on the ship, she's fine. He's like, oh, well, how great is it to be mistaken that the princess is fine and not ill? And, you know, she's, she's at that point, Allison's putting the pieces of the puzzle together in her head and is like, wait a second, if she was brought a tea late at night by the Grand Maester himself, and obviously we talked about the certainty a couple episodes ago and what it does. It's basically plan B for the medieval times, right? And so it, it, it cancels out the, the pregnancy, right? It's a, it's a contraceptive, right? And so now she's, now like you said, this is, I think this is the turning point where she was full-blown, full supporter Rhaenyra, and now she's questioning it. She hasn't been convinced yet. There's going to be a confession that is made in a little bit down the way here in this episode. <laughs> but at this point, she's starting to teeter on, wait a second, this doesn't add up. And that's what I thought. Yeah, and think of that too, because I think this is a big point. Because I feel like if you break trust with your friends, that's like the lowest of the low. Like... You know, you can have a crazy party night and be like, oh, I'm sorry for that. And they're like, yeah, that's cool, man. You were kind of a dick last night, but it's all good. But like breaking trust is I think that's as low as it gets. And for someone that is your best friend, like that even like believed you after you're saying something like that. I think this is really starting to be the big point where like I'm, I'm not happy with what's going on especially to the point where she effectively chose Rhaenyra over her own father and got her father fired in a way. Like, I wouldn't say she got her father yeah. fired, but, like, Rhaenyra ended up getting her father fired, but she seemed to be more so in support of Rhaenyra. Like, no, you father, your informant was wrong. Like, she, so she she laid it all out on the table in support of her friend who told her a big fat lie. And so that this is going to be, <laughs> yeah. like, this is going to be a whole, a whole issue. And, I, and it's funny because... And this is something I've noticed with Rhaenyra is that she doesn't tell a lie flat out, but she circles around the truth because she said that, you know, she swears upon the memory of her mother that Damon never touched her. Well, first of all, they did. They were making out, so they definitely touched. But, but <laughs> they definitely were touching right. each other. Let's not and, go painting any pictures, Rhaenyra. Right. Yeah, right. And then, but like, she conveniently leaves out that. Chris and Cole ended up finishing the job later that night. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it's like she tells as much of the truth to paint herself in the best light possible, but you can't straight out say she lied because she didn't lie. She just wasn't asked the right questions, you know? So uh, the only yeah. thing she did lie about, she did Damon and her definitely touch. But that's the thing I'm starting to see with Rhaenyra, and, and I'm going to kind of talk about this next episode too next week uh, is, is, you know, she tends to – find herself cornered sometimes and really tries to weasel her way out. And it's just, it's really interesting. So yeah, uh, I'll let you go ahead and, and take it away, man. Absolutely. By the way, back to Driftmark. It looked badass, man. It looked fucking cool. They did a great job with this. I thought, you know, as they were walking up, you saw the paintings of like the Navy ships. Cause you know, they, they controlled most of the fleet in all of the realm. And then you had like the skulls of like the Kings of the past, like you're like Lion King, man. I know that's your film. The great kings of the past lie up there looking down on us from those stars. <laughs> it was badass, man. I loved it. Uh, but they get there. And, of course, you know, Corlys is sitting there with Rainies, And um, Corlys, uh, <clears throat> Valerian, 
as Viserys is now sicker than ever before. I feel like he's getting si- he's getting sicker and sicker every episode. His hair is falling out. You know, he's pretty rough. But Corlys Valerian informs Viserys that Lady Rhea was killed in a hunting accident. And you can kind of see in this moment, Viserys is kind of like, like doesn't say anything, but a little skeptical on that. And that's all I'll say. Um, but then so Viserys proposes that Rhaenyra marry Laenor Valarian. And Viserys and Corlys come to the agreement that Rhaenyra and Laenor's children will take the name Valarian, but when he or she takes the Iron Throne, they will take the last name Targaryen. And that's a big thing because the Valarians, uh, I want to bring that up because we'll talk about this in episodes to come. They're very big on family name. Very big on that. So, yeah, did you want to say something about that? Yeah, I, I, I think that's a really big point because... This is going to be a point of contention for Rhaenys and Corlys moving forward too. Is about legacy and what matters, and you know it seems that Corlys will do anything to put his his time here on Earth in the history books, so to speak. You know he wants a Valarian name to live on, and that's where the compromise comes from. Like, okay, we're going to marry Rhaenyra to Laenor, and they're going to all the sons that they have or all the daughters that they have are going to take the last name Valarian, but then when the eldest heir takes the Iron Throne, they will assume the name Targaryen, and that was what will live on there. And that puts the Valarians right at the same level as the Targaryens, which is what Corlys always wanted. And then, as you were mentioning, too, just right there previously, when Corlys is the one that informs Viserys about Lady Rhea in Runestone, that's where we learn that Daemon is set to inherit all of Runestone. So that was a big point that uh, I think that was a calculated move on Damon's part from go back to the beginning of this episode. And, you know, that's where we find out right here just how calculated it was because it just seems like Damon is is amassing, you know, whatever. You know, I don't want to say like an army, but he he's gaining power and, and land and, and stuff that matters when I would say if war were to ever come. He's, he's putting himself in a good position. And that's all I'll mention there, but I'll, I'll let you get back to it. Absolutely. So, Rhaenyra and Laenor, uh, they're meeting on the beach here. I feel like half of Game of Thrones, like, everyone's walking on a beach and talking. Like, every other episode, someone's going to walk on the beach to have a conversation. They love long walks on the beach, just like Tyrion. I drink and throw things. <laughs> I drink and know things. That's me. I drink and throw things. Anyways, uh, so Rhaenyra and Laenor wind up agreeing to a political marriage and having an open relationship so they can uphold their duty to the realm. Because Laenor, he's a homosexual and Rhaenyra is a heterosexual. Uh, so they both, uh, and they both, at this point in time, I wouldn't exactly say lovers with Rhaenyra and Kristen Cole, but you can say they both, uh, Laenor and Rhaenyra, are involved with people of their own, and that's the best way I'll say that. Um, yeah, I would say that, you know, you put it that pretty well there. They both have mistresses, so to speak, you know, side pieces. I call them side pieces, right? So Joffrey Lawnmouth is uh, Laenor's side piece, and Kristen Cole yeah. is Rhaenyra's side piece, and like you mentioned, they made an agreement. Hey, we're going to do our duty to the realm. We're going to put on a, a show that we are in a loving marriage. We're going to have these children, but 
we're both going to have our fun on the side with the people we truly want to be intimate with. And that's the best way I could put it. Yeah. So then Corley's is discussing with Rainey's his thoughts. This is what I got from this, that Lenor will turn straight if he marries Rhaenyra. Uh, Rainey's begins to like argue that Lenor is being put in danger, though, because of Rhaenyra's succession that will be challenged with her being heir. And Corlys uh, then argues, though, that they will be fine because their navy, they have the largest navy in the realm and their dragons. Uh, so that's kind of got from that. He worded it in a weird way, but is that what you were getting from that? Yeah, it seemed as if it, it almost seems like the old school parent who's in denial about who their child is. That's what you know, mm-hmm. when you just mentioned, oh, you know, it's just a phase. He's going to grow out of it. He's only been around these boys. They've been off, you know, practicing knighthood. So they've only been around each other. But now that he's got a woman to warm his bed, it's going to be different. He's going to, you know, he's going to become, you know, who we, who we thought he was uh, at the very beginning. He's going to, you know, uphold the Valarian name. He's going to bed this woman, have children. Like, he's just like the prototypical old school parent who is just out of touch with reality and doesn't know the true nature of their child. And, and Rainey's, she knows. That's why she said, he's going to be in danger, dude. <laughs> like, so yeah. yeah, no, that's exactly how, how I interpreted it as well. Perfect. So then we cut over to Lenore and he's with Joffrey and uh, Joffrey agrees to Lenore's betrothed to Rhaenyra and tells him that he will be his sworn protector and it's better than they could have hoped for. And Joffrey goes and wonders who Rhaenyra is having relations with at the time. So that's a big point. So I want to bring that up because that's going to play a big moment later on. Uh, So then, cutting over to Speak of the Devil, Kristen Cole. (laughs) Oh, man. Man, do I have some thoughts on this guy. And I'm going to ask your thoughts after our little scene here. So I do have the dialogue here because I think it's kind of a big point. But what's going on in the scene is Kristen Cole meets Rhaenyra on the Targaryen ship. And he begins to ask her about their relationship. Rhaenyra says, did, uh, did, you, flee the sl- did you flee sleep sleep as well this morning? Kristen Cole, I needed to see you. Rhaenyra, I confess I had a similar desire. Kristen Cole, you have confided in me now. And then over the years of our acquaintance, I feel I forgave me that I forgive me. I, I feel like I know you a bit, Rhaenyra. You know me more than a bit, Kristen Cole. I've heard you say so many times how you loathe the lot of your position, that you are to be married off at your father's whim with no thought given the yearning of your own heart. And now the day comes. See, Lenor is good and he's a decent man but you did not choose him he was chosen for you if there were another path one that led to freedom would you tread it Rhaenyra before I came I before I came here I was a knight in the stormlands I have deep knowledge at the port of Sunspear where I've seen the ships of Essos setting sail with their holes full of oranges and cinnamon and I've always wished to see where they went Rhaenyra are you asking for leave Kristen Cole, I'm asking you to come with me, away from all this, from the burdens and indignities of your inheritance. Let us leave it all behind and see the the world together, where we'll be nameless and free, free to go wherever we like, free to love as we like. In Essos, you could marry me. 
A marriage for love, not for the crown. And she pauses for a minute. And Rainier goes, I am the crown, Sir Kristen. Or I will be. I may chafe at my duties, but do you think I would choose infamy in exchange for a bushel of oranges or ships from a shy? It is my duty to marry a nobleman from a great house, and Sir Lanor will make a fine husband. But my, um... Marriage does not have to be the end, Sir Kristen. Lenor and I have an understanding. I've granted him leave to pursue his own interest, and in turn he's granted me the same. Kristen Cole. So you want me to be your whore, Rhaenyra. I want us to continue as we began, with you as my sworn protector, my white knight. Kristen Cole. I took an oath. As a knight of your king's guard, an oath of chastity, and I've broken it. I've soiled my white cloak, and it's the only thing I have to my fucking name. I thought if we were married, I might be able to restore it. Rhaenyra, the Iron Throne looms larger than me, larger than anyone in my family. Aegon the Conqueror united the seven kingdoms and put them on a path. Sir, Sir Criston, and he walks away. So, my question for you here... <laughs> man falling in love he was in he was so in love <laughs> i don't know if he was in love with her i don't know if he was trying to regain uh his his purity i guess i could say for his cloak there what's this guy's deal well i want to start by saying i don't think rhaenyra could have done a better job of what she said she was very gentle and very polite about how she rejected his <laughs> proposal pissed. right he's like she did a really good job of explaining to him in a very kind and gentle manner that like we can't do this it, it would not make any sense at all the, the whole realm would be upturned and upheaval and we would be like probably they'd probably be hunted you know i think they're just gonna be able to live freely ever after in essos like hell no <laughs> like i think that i don't know man he had a shitload of oranges apparently he has fields of oranges <laughs> it was just so funny because i even put in my notes it's like dude had a total breakdown like he like his, his voice started cracking you can see like the tears in his eyes because he feels that he let down his his honor, any sort of honor that he had, because he's he's a, he's a lowborn, you know. And she rose him to the ranks of where he is at because of his battle experience. Remember, she chose him way back when they had the uh, tournament to celebrate the birth of the original child between uh, Viserys and Emma before Emma died during that childbirth, and uh, Baylor was, I think, the name of the baby, and that baby died. Like so, back then. You know that was that was a whole deal. You know, like like that he he was risen to a, a member of the King's Guard when that position came open when the old guy died in his sleep. So she brought him there and he was like, okay, cool, I'm, I can make something of myself now. I'm gonna be like the best knight of the King's Guard. I'm gonna do everything I possibly can. And then she co coerced him into. Uh, breaking some of his vows. Like you always mentioned with Ingrid back in the caves with Jon Snow, he said, you made some vows and I want you to break them. So no, let's go. <laughs> let's fucking go, man. <laughs> I just think he, he took that super seriously and he's hurt. But yeah, the, I will say from this moment on, Kristen Cole is never the same. And that's how I'll leave it with you to, to take it away. 
Yeah, man. I'll, we'll talk about that later. I think he's being a little bitch, but that's just me. I, I don't know. I don't. It, you know what? I, we keep. I keep making these um, Troy references, but it kind of reminded me of Paris. But at least Paris had like a plan. Like he would start a war, but at least like Helen of Troy would have been taken care of in that whole kingdom. Like this was like, I guess we're just gonna run from farm to farm like fugitives at this point. What do you think? Yeah, I think so too. I don't think there was a whole big plan there. He just he thought of the best possible scenario, and he said, "Hey, you know, you've always been complaining about how tough it is to be a princess and all these duties you have. Well, I've got a quick solution. Let's just run away and like without any any thought that like, dude, that is not gonna be possible, dude. <laughs> like you're gonna be hunted for the rest of your life, and even if you're not, she's not gonna want to do that anyway. She even said like, you want me to live my whole life in infamy when I was born a Targaryen, a rider of dragons. Like, what, what do you mean? I, yeah, let's go ahead and just go city to city, farm to farm, like scraping the bottom of the barrel. But at least we'll be in love. He's like, she's like, nah, dude, fuck off, you idiot. Just stay, just stay here. Be my knight. Be like, please me when I need you, and we can keep this arrangement going. And Chris and Cole's like, no, you broke my heart. (laughs) 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 Broke my heart. You broke my soul. (laughs) Anyways, okay. So back to Kristen Cole here. So uh, Alicent requests to see Kristen Cole, and Alicent is asking him about Rhaenyra. Rhaenyria. And uh Here's the thing is Allison is questioning him on these things, trying to find out more about the situation with Damon. But, but bro, I guess is feeling so damn guilty about everything. Bro wants to tell the world his guts. It's like you get pulled over for uh, not stopping at the stop sign. And instantly you're like, I've been drinking, officer. I've been drinking all fucking night. It's like, bro, I was just stopping you because you missed that stop sign. Just don't do it again, man. Dude, that's, know, dude. that's such a good point that you bring up. It's so funny because the, the whole line of questioning, and like, I didn't write down the dialogue. I don't know that it was like wildly important, but the whole the whole vibe of the dialogue was Allison was slyly trying to dance around the issue of trying to gain information if Rhaenyra slept with Damon, and as she's asking all these like roundabout things, all of a sudden Chris Cole's like, "I did it! I'm guilty, baby! I'm guilty!" She's like, "What the fuck?" Like, she's, she's like, he's like, the, the, "The crime, the, the, the sins you accuse, I am guilty." She's like, "Dude, I wasn't even talking about you, but now it's even worse in a way." And the dude, I just, I found that so ridiculous. He just wanted to scream to the world. He wanted, I think he tried to blow up everyone's spot. He was that hurt that he's like, "No, like I'm taking her down with me." Like, so, <laughs> Imagine how Allison probably felt. You know, she was like, she was like sitting there after his ass. We'll get into it in a minute. But like when she's in the room by herself after this, you know, she's like, well, I didn't see that coming. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, fuck. <laughs> That's not at all what I was expecting. <laughs> what the fuck dude i don't know so anyways back to here uh so allison just like you said she's questioning the things with damon but uh yeah just like you said i think you nailed it i don't think there's any much more to say so rhaenyra allison asked him about rhaenyria and she begins to ask him about the rumor of damon and rhaenyria but Kristen cole believes she is talking about 
him and Rhaenyra's relationship, and he confesses everything. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> he I, just confesses it all. I only, <laughs> I only disagree with a small part. I don't even think that in his mind they were. She was referring to him. I think he just wanted to put it out there, and then like you know, because <laughs> like, like that's the whole deal. I don't think that he really assumed that she was speaking about. Uh, him like like her time with him specifically talking about Rainier and Chris and Cole. I think he was just like you know what I'm like I'm hurt and I'm taking her down with me. <laughs> so that's what I think happened. I really don't think he thought that she was questioning him about his relationship with her. I I think he he knew what he was doing. So long story short is though, uh, Chris and Cole asked Allison to sentence him to death out of pity instead of having him tortured. Uh, but to his surprise, despite his anger. Uh, Allison lets him go. So, despite her anger, Allison lets him go. Uh, then we go to the Grand Maester here. So, the Grand Maester winds up bringing leeches to help cure Viserys' illness and uh, also brings him a drink to help him sleep. So, he's getting worse and worse. And then this is really cool. We see two dragons swoop over the area in the next scene. And one actually, we learn who it is later on in the episodes. I don't want to give that away. Should we say the name now of who that other dragon was? Uh, yeah, I don't think it's a, it's a big deal. But there's one thing I wanted to mention, too, talking about Viserys and his time there with the leeches on his arm. Because he says something I think is kind of important. Mm-hmm. He gets uh, he it. gets some sentimental about his reign as king. And he asks how he'll be remembered. And he says he wishes he'd been tested once. You know, so that, you know, because he's known as, you know, when, yeah, whatever, he's known as the peaceful king. He's, he's kept the realm from getting into these battles and these wars. And so it's interesting to see as he's sick and, you know, getting this assistance medically that he starts getting sentimental and reminiscing about his time and wondering what would have happened if he would, if war were to come to his doorstep. And he kind of wishes that it did just one time. And, you know, Lionel Strong tells him, like, hey, the other people, the ones where war did come, they wish they could have avoided it. So I think that, you know, what you've done here is, is quite admirable. But, yes, we'll go into, like, the, the, the dragons. And I, I honestly thought it was really cool because it, it moves to, like, the ships arriving at King's Landing for the welcome feast. Yeah. And, you know, we, like you said, and I just thought the visual was stunning where these dragons are swooping down. The tails are barely touching the water and it's rippling. And we got all these ships with the sails. And it just, it just looked really cool on screen. And I'll let you talk a little bit about the dragons. Yeah, uh, one. So one we actually know of, and you could barely see, but it's that light and blue dragon that we've seen before, which was sea smoke, which was kind of in the far there. But the other one is actually Rainy's dragon, which is Melee's. And this thing was badass. It had the horns, kind of looked like Drogon in a way, but like its mouth and stuff was bigger. But it's like this bright red dragon, uh, like almost like the color of Caraxes, but not like a blood worm. Like how Caraxes is called like the blood worm. You know, like he like it actually looked more like a dragon like Drogon, which is badass. It was really cool. Um, so then at this point, so we see the Valyrian ships arrive. I thought this was cool because remember their house is like the seahorse. So you had their seahorse sigil on the uh, ship sail there, which is really awesome. And then uh, kind of full circle moment. So we see Rhaenyra and Viserys and everyone's at the table at the wedding table here. Jason Lannister <laughs> coming up to sing his praises, <laughs> sing his praises here. Uh, so 
he's giving his praises and Raniria says, thank you, Sir Jason. I can think of no better man than Sir Lainor. And Jason asks where Queen Allison is. And Viserys says, you know, she's still getting ready. Uh, and Jason said, well, this is why men wage war, because women would never be ready for the battle in time. And Rhaenyra just pissed off. She goes, your presence is always such a pleasure, <laughs> Lord Jason. Like, this dude is, is something. What do you think of Jason Lannister? He, is he something sucks. Else, man. He's the worst. <laughs> he just—he's just not. He's not fun to be around. You know what I mean? Like, like when he's on screen, I wish he wasn't. Right? But like that—that's the role that like I think he's meant to play is just the little menace in the background. And I love how Rhaenyra kind of sent a subtle insult at him because remember he proposed to Rhaenyra and she declined that proposal back on Aegon's second name day. Remember that? And so it was funny that he proposed to her and she rejected that proposal and then when he goes to pay his respects she goes i could think of no better man than Leonor to, to take his husband so <laughs> i thought that was a little push of an insult towards him because of how arrogant he is and then you know when he can continues on and says that you know women would never be ready for battle in time just misogynistic just a dickhead dude so yeah i'm not a big fan yeah. of jason lannister at all <laughs> I feel like Jason Lannister is the guy that goes to the party but wants to make it his party. Like, he goes to someone else's birthday and wants to make it the Jason show. Like, that's who Jason Lannister is, in my opinion. Did you get that vibe of Jason Lannister? I just think he he walks around like his shit don't stink, and it's because he owns one of the largest like gold mine, mines or whatever they are. I think they're gold mines, but, the, you know, he's super rich, and I... Yeah, and obviously that plays a factor into the original Game of Thrones series with those Lannisters down the line. You know, it's interesting, but yeah, I just I think he is so used to everything being about him that he feels like he's on equal footing with anyone, including the king, and that's kind of the attitude yeah. he portrays. Absolutely. So uh, this uh, and this character kind of full circle moment here that we're gonna see he has a big part coming up soon and i'm gonna let you take that big part there so what i'll say here is sir gerald royce approaches viserys in raniria and viserys offers his condolences uh, uh for lady Rhea's death and that's all i'll say there because he has a big part in a minute and i'm gonna let you take that part but uh, right before then, so Valerians, the Valerians entered the ceremony with Lenor, and he comes down the aisle. And Kristen Cole still acting like a bitch, man, still sulking in the corner. You know what this reminded me of? Don't <laughs> sulk in the corner and draw attention to yourself. Draw attention to yourself in a positive way. You're drawing to attention to yourself in a negative way. Don't draw attention to yourself in a negative way. <laughs> the wedding crashers at its finest. This dude was a bitch the entire ceremony. Yeah, he was he was sulking and you know, he was trying to put his like face on and yeah, he was just interesting interesting character here. And you know, he ends up he ends up, you know, taking this wedding over in a weird way in just a little bit, I'll say that. I don't wanna you know, give anything away. But as I thought this was important to announce too, is like when Lenor was going down the aisle area, they they announced his arrival as Lane uh, Lenor Valari and the future king consort. 
Meaning he's gonna be the he's not gonna be the ruling king, obviously, because Rhaenyra Targaryen's gonna be the queen, but he's gonna be the king consort. So I just thought that was an interesting yeah. title that that he will take on. So uh, that's all I want to mention. There. Very ironic. We're saying the Jason Lannister show, and we might get the Kristen Cole show. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, how nice! What a great guy. Uh, so, but speaking of great guys. Our boy enters like a fucking badass, Damon Targaryen enters, and you can see Viserys, I swear, like, the soul left his face. That motherfucker looked like a ghost. <laughs> he walked in, keep in mind last episode, remember, Viserys was like, I don't ever want to see your face again. Like, you go back to the Vale where you belong, which he did, he, he did all that just in a little bit of a different way but he comes back dude Viserys looked like a fucking ghost what do you think of that could you imagine seeing like your brother like that if you told him leave I never want to see your face again and then the reason why you have a problem with him he shows up at this girl's wedding what the fuck man (laughs) what were your thoughts on that that was fucking awesome. <laughs> just, he, like, he just walked in like he owned the place, even though he was, you know, not, I wouldn't say fully banished, but he was told under no, like, uncertain circumstances, like, get the fuck out of here. I don't want to see you again. And he just walks in the wedding like he owns the damn place, grabs his own chair, slides it over to the end. Like, <laughs> everyone's just, like, no staring, like, oh, giving. goodness. And then, like, Viserys has no choice but to, like, like, all right, well, be welcome, everyone, I guess. Like... <laughs> <laughs> It was, it was like, so cool. What the fuck, dude? Uh, since, think of that, dude. Like, out of all the tables, he sits at the wedding parting table. Like, the wedding... Think of any wedding. Like, the guy that's not invited comes in and sits right down next to the bride and the groom. That's exactly where he fucking sat. No fucks given, man. Oh, that was fucking great. Uh, so... Uh, at this point, so we have, this is a big moment. Uh, so as Viserys is giving his opening ceremony speech, Alicent enters and she's in bright green, which no one else is in colors like this. Dude, this and is I, also, I also want to say this to that effect as well. Like she stopped the entire show. You know what I mean? Like everyone was kind of like giving the king the full attention then all of a sudden you hear chairs move and everyone turns around. So the king himself is giving a fucking speech, like an, an important one too, because this is a welcome feast for a wedding that's going to be marrying the future queen of the realm to the second most powerful house in the realm. So this is a huge like deal and a big event. And Allison stole the fucking show. Like, I, like he ends up cutting off his speech as everyone turns and looks. And like you said, Allison just standing right there in the doorway. She's got this like like her eyes are like wide and angry, and she's got this face on like. Like, she is pissed. And, you know, she's standing there in that bright green gown, and she's got all eyes on her. So, yeah, now, like, go ahead and continue on. But it was it was crazy. Yeah, and this was just a straight-up, like, fuck you to Rhaenyria. That is exactly what it was. It was a fuck you, like, you don't deserve this party you're having. You lied to me. Like, I'm getting back what's mine now. Like, I'm, I'm tired of the bullshit and I'm going to put on a fucking show right here in front of everyone and show my ass is what I'm going to do. And I, I love what she says here, man. I got to support Allison here. Allison, uh, fucking awesome, man. I, I love it when people stick up for themselves. That's what I enjoy. 
So go for right it. Right before you give, are you, are, are you about to go talk what Alice says to Rhaenyra? Is that what you're about to say here? Uh, yeah, but you were gonna say yeah. what uh, Larry Strong yes. says, right? That's what I was gonna go say. Yeah, say I wanted, I wanted yeah, to take this important. part. One hundred percent. This is this is one of my favorite lines in all of this season because Harwin Strong starts. It. Harwin Strong is Larsa Strong's brother, and yeah. he's gonna play a role here in this episode, and then you know next episode as well. But Harwin Strong says to his little brother Lars Strong, he goes, "The king will not be happy." Right in the midst of his speech, and Lars replies. The beacon on the high tower. Do you know what color it glows when Old Town calls its banners to war? No one's like green. That was so fucking yeah, cool, man. <laughs> because like her whole dress and gown was green, and it took everyone's like breath away. And she just, yeah, she stole the show there, man. It was fucking awesome. So now, what's cool is we're really having this moment where you're starting to see, you know, Team Green come into play so you hear all this talk about team green team black but we really haven't had any teams up until this point and now it's actually everything's starting to happen and we see why so it's it's really cool uh so allison as she walks up to the wedding party table looks directly at rhineria with just the look of disgust really is what it was and she says congratulations stepdaughter doesn't even say Rhaenyra's name. Congratulations, stepdaughter. What a blessing this is for you. And kisses Viserys on the cheek. Like, that is a fucking insult. Wow. Um, so just a couple more things here, and I'm going to let you take this big moment. But Rhaenyra, Rhaenyra and Laenor perform an opening dance for their wedding. This was pretty cool. I have some friends, uh, some family friends. They're... Um, uh, from Indian culture and they do stuff like this like they do like opening dances at weddings and stuff so I thought it was interesting it was a cool dance so Allison's uncle from Old Town then pledges loyalty to Allison and says I was worried that given leave of fa- your father's shadow you might uh, you might fall into shadow in the King's Landing sun but you stood tall Know that Old Town stands with you. And that's a big moment, too, because it it's... Remember what we were talking about. If Viserys had just straight up reaffirmed Rhaenyria as heir, um, you wouldn't have any of this back and forth. And now you're really starting to have houses pick sides for people and that's a very big problem. And I'm going to let you go ahead and take this next big moment, man. This is your boy. So, uh, Sir Gerald Royce approaches Damon because remember he tried to gain an audience with the queen just uh, with the king just a little bit ago, where and then he got cut off because the Valarians arrived. So he tried to have like this discussion with Viserys because no one knew Damon was going to be there, and so now that Damon's there, obviously Gerald Royce is a smart guy and he knows uh, that Lady Rhea is a very skilled rider and a very skilled hunter and that that her death is not an accident so he approaches Damon and he even says he he accuses him of murdering Rhea Royce and I, I what I put in my notes here says Damon flips the Uno reverse card and reminds him that he stands to inherit all of Runestone and that he will fly there himself after the ceremony and petition the Lady Jane and why that's important is because at this point Sir Gerald Royce has not 
told anyone, to my knowledge, anyone's knowledge, about his accusation against Damon, well, he's not going to be able to get there before Damon because Damon's got Caraxes. He can fly in a dragon and get there in, in half the time it would take them to travel back to Runestone. So he's, he, like, Gerald Royce kind of fucked up a little bit because I'm not sure Damon had that as his initial plan, but when he realized that someone is on to him, now he's got to patch up his own mistakes. Now he's going to get there first to Runestone, so that way Gerald Royce can't turn the veil against Damon for the you know accused murder of Rhea Royce. So I did think this was a really huge moment, uh, and I don't I don't know if it's going to come up to play later on. I hope it does in in, in future seasons. It doesn't in season one. I mean, that doesn't really give anything away at all. But this doesn't really kind of come up at all in the rest of season one. But I hope it does for future seasons. But yeah, that was the big moment I wanted to take there with with Sir Gerald Royce. Gerald Royce. No, that was awesome, man. So then at this point, right when you think, you know, Damon's going to calm down a bit, you know that motherfucker is not just going to sit there (laughs) at this wedding and not fuck shit up. So Damon starts to approach Lena Valarian. um, And, you know, she's grown now on the dance floor. And this is kind of an insult to the groom here, too. He goes, has anyone ever told you you're nearly as pretty as your brother? (laughs) wow okay (laughs) so and then of course lena says well you really flatter me my prince i was sorry to hear about your lady wife damon don't be i wasn't my lady wife was never very kind to me (laughs) holy fuck he's such a dick (laughs) such an asshole um so then joffrey begins speaking with lanor and claims he knows who Rhaenyra's paramour is, the person that she's in relationship with. So shit's about to go down. Then Joffrey approaches Kristen Cole. He says, Sir Lanor is quite dear to me, as I know the princess is to you, and we should swear to guard them and their secrets. Because if those are kept safe, then so are we all. This is going to cause a problem. (laughs) Because now clearly Kristen Cole knows that Joffrey knows about the relationship him and Rhaenyra have had before and are may still have. Um, so then Damon interrupts between Sir Harwin and Rhaenyra on the dance floor. <laughs> like, yeah, here we go. Uh, yeah, and if you thought Viserys' face was pale before... I thought this dude was going to break his plate when he was cutting through that chicken there. What do you think about that? <laughs> he was freaking out, man. Just Ugh. the audacity Damon has is just beautiful. It's hilarious to see. and he just he, I think he intentionally tries to get underneath his brother's skin sometimes. And Yeah, I'll let, I'll let you continue on. Oh, man. So here we go. Play by play for you. So uh, Damon, of course, goes up to Rhaenyria. Jalavijan Kesa Isa, is this what you want? Rhaenyria. Jalaria Vajonsios Skamilo. I was not aware that what I wanted mattered to you. Visa Ixis Dior Sait Io. This is not for you. Lenor Kestavalist Kanju Hazentasisa Havu Variodario Tezelzar. Lenor is a good man and a fine knight. He will bore you senseless. Rhaenyria. Itu mariosu variadina mariisa uba. Marriage is only a political arrangement, I hear. Damon. Nori kantuk. 
Mine was recently dissolved. Rhaenyria. Saba una Darius Kesa una Deliostaror de Casa Dintaxtor Elendra Adariosa Isa Salavose Unzun Ta Isa La Coquepo Naiza Celopaca Sadarosa Una Maca Se Aprazilas Osis Sagan Unazahas. So take me then. Has this not been your purpose? I am not yet married. But the hours pass swiftly. You are surely armed. Cut through my father's king's guard. Take me to Dragonstone and make me your wife. And Viserys is sweating bullets at this point, looking intently at Damon as he's about to embrace Rhaenyria and about to kiss her. And then right as you think Damon's going to cause the problem, Kristen Cole is beating the shit out of Joffrey and Lainor is trying to stop him, but Cole throws him off and continues beating the shit out of Joffrey until he beats his face in and lays dead on the wedding floor. And Lainor is sobbing over his dead body uncontrollably. And then at this point, the wedding stops Viserys has Lenor and Rhaenyria married in a small court, almost like a shotgun wedding style. Kristen Cole is still in the courtyard, bitching, about to commit suicide. And Allison comes out and just tells him to stop as he's got the dagger to his stomach. And then back to the small court where Rhaenyria and Lenor are getting married. She kisses Lenor on the cheek and Viserys collapses on the ground. And the rats are drinking Joffrey's blood on the wedding floor hall. End of episode. Holy shit. <laughs> so holy shit, man. One big moment that was just left out that I want to touch on real quick. As this Go whole fight and scrum is happening and you hear like the people screaming, Chris and Cole's beating the shit out of Joffrey Lonmouth. Uh, Lionel Strong looks over. And he, like obviously he's the new hand of the king. He looks over at his son Harwin Strong and gives him a nod. And Harwin Strong like pushes everyone out of the way, grabs Rhaenyra over his shoulder, and carries Rhaenyra to safety. And that's a huge foreshadow of you know Sir Harwin and Rhaenyra for the future. And that's all I'll say there. But definitely wanted to mention it you know before we, we closed out that that summary there. But yeah, absolutely funny uh story i was hanging out some of my friends at work they a lot of them speak spanish and i only speak english and they're always laughing because uh <laughs> i was able to they were asking me because they were listening to our show and uh i always speak uh, the high valyrian and they were laughing because i was actually able to speak valyrian to them on wednesdays and they're like dude you hang out with us all the time and you can't speak any spanish at all and all you can speak is all these fantasy languages that you can't use anywhere. <laughs> so, yeah, that was pretty funny. By the way, I'm coming out with a TikTok on how to say some, like, basic phrases in High Valyrian, which is cool. But point of this is Kristen Cole ruins the entire fucking show, man, because uh, he's sulking in the corner, being a bitch. What are your takeaways for this episode? I think that this is the turning point episode, which is perfect because there's... 10 episodes in the season and you know halfway point kind of things change i think this is where we see the dynamic shift between alicent and rhaenyra's relationship this is where things come to head and truths come out uh we you know, obviously people i don't know how many end up knowing but it comes out that chris and cole you know deflowered rhaenyra who's supposed to stay a maiden until marriage 
um, which obviously that confession is what led to this change in dynamic between Allison and Rhaenyra. And then from there, too, it's also a good joining of the houses, trying to keep the houses strong between the Valarians and the Targaryens. And, and then we have this whole Damon situation where he kills his, his lady wife in, in the Vale, so he's set to inherit Runestone. And then on top of that, he's now free to marry whoever he wants. And, and then you have him flirting with Lena Valarian there at that wedding, and then also have that weird moment where it almost looks like him and uh, Rhaenyra are going to kind of start certain activities again and <laughs> at her own wedding in front of her father and his brother the king so it just this this episode the best i can put it it, it was controlled chaos in the best way uh, just a lot of things happened that set the stage for later on while still having a lot of action for and and, and big moments in the present as like simultaneously so I, I really enjoyed this episode. I, it's one of my favorites of the entire season. So like, when we do our bonus episode, don't be surprised if this one ranks near the top when we do rankings uh, later on to close out you know, our, our second season of Chasing Josh Factor Fantasy. But yeah, those, those are my takeaways. And if you want me to give a, a grade, like a letter grade, I guess a number grade on a scale of 1 to 10, I'd probably give this one like a 9.6 out of 10. It was good. It was really good. Uh, there's not all, there was only two things that I had a slight problem with. One's not really a problem. One's more of a debate of like a what would have happened. There is one thing I do have an issue with though, and I'm, we will debate this here in just a second. So I, obviously nothing really ever gets like a perfect 10 from me. And you know, to to be honest, I'm curious now when we talk about this if i might even change you know what i think i might change my my grade and instead of a 9.6 i'll give it a 9.4 because i think what i have to say does kind of detract from it a little bit and if it is any sort of i don't want to say a plot hole but if what should have happened did happen the whole outline of this season changes and we'll talk about that in just a little bit so i'd say 9.4 out of 10 those are my initial takeaways from the episode what about yours yeah, uh, I thought it was great. I thought, you know, I was kind of expecting more of a filler episode, but even for something that was, it w- wasn't a filler episode. <laughs> it played a, like a lot of really important roles that happened here. Granted, most of the episode, you can say, lied on the fact that Kristen Cole was sulking in a corner, drawing attention to himself in a negative way. But <laughs> with that being said, you also had that big moment with Allison and Otto where, you know, uh, Allison and Allison really starts changing opinion based on what she heard from Larry's. Uh, so a lot of really big moments happened here that you can tell it's really building up to where this big, um, big uh, war, I guess you can say, just like Otto said, is about to happen or is on the verge of war, at least with the line of succession. Um, so that was really big. It did have, you know, what's funny is it, it didn't have a whole lot of action until the end, but damn, like, dude, that was like, he beat Joffrey, like Jon Snow is beating Ramsey, but even worse was it was for no fucking reason. Like it was for no fucking reason, really. Just like the fact of like, maybe his secret would get spread or something, which he was almost like happy with because he was happy with running off and being a fugitive. So I don't know what the fuck the big deal was, but it was it was it was great. I love the fact you got to see Driftmark finally. We haven't seen that in any Game of Thrones series, so that was really cool to actually see that in person. 
Um, and of course, you know, it has the political side of things where now uh, the Valerians, uh, the Valerians that were very upset with the series before, they're starting to come back and take more of the series side here. So I thought it was great. I, I thought it was excellent. I'll give it a, I'll give it a 9.5. I'll be generous. I thought it was good. So uh, what debates do you have today, sir? So I'm curious if I want to save the one I think is going to cause an issue for a second. Yeah, you know what? That's what I'm going to do. But we're going to start with the first one. Just a what-if scenario here. Like, in the very beginning of this episode, let's say that Lady Rhea Royce agreed to have her cousin join her on her travel back to the Vale. How would have things played out differently, in your opinion? Or would anything have played out differently? And just kind of getting your thoughts on that. That's a great question. Hand-to-hand combat, I would say, I think Damon could have probably killed them both. Because Damon is... You know, if we're talking about a hand-to-hand combat scenario, which I'm going to bring up another side point to this in a minute. But to answer it uh, on a blatant level, I would say I think Damon could have just killed them both to try to keep them quiet, but that would cause a major issue with houses (laughs) because I, I doubt two people just randomly die on a hunting accident. Now, what I will say is I think... I think, me personally, I think Damon would have restrained himself in that situation, knowing that her cousin was there and realizing that he has to plan a new tactic in a way because that's a lot of odds stacked against you to be able to try to persuade that either this is an accident or if her cousin gets back there and warns of what happened, you're in a whole nother war again. That's going to cause a rebellion. That's a big problem. Um, and then you really do have almost like a Troy situation because I still think Viserys would wind up sticking up for his brother. He's not going to let him go out there and be executed, I don't think. He would come up to something else. And then you would have a rebellion that would start. So, But going back to the brothel situation, <laughs> I would say... Uh, which that, like you were saying, I agree with what you're saying. That was a whole nother tactic there. But I think one thing in, um, in a smaller focus it did show is that Damon can restrain himself in situations to an extent. So I think Damon would have restrained himself because he is, whether he's rogue or not. (laughs) And yes, he does go rogue sometimes, um, you know, the gods flip a coin <laughs> when the Targaryen is born. But at the same time, that doesn't mean he's not intelligent. And I think he can read situations well. So I think he would have stopped. But based on the situation of what happened at the wedding that you went into, I think he probably would have tried to tell her cousin and try to get one over on him at that point, saying he came for the inheritance and tried to beat them in the mental game at that point and try to take everything he could since he was down there that's what i think would have happened and then you would have had a whole nother situation uh so that that's what i think what about you it's it's difficult because like you mentioned there's no way having one dead body fall off a horse you can kind of explain that away the the whole crushing of the face of the rock yeah that 
<laughs> probably didn't need to happen and probably doesn't <laughs> probably doesn't make it look exactly like an accident now but if he would have just left her there to die as he intended you know that's pretty easy to explain away and obviously it wasn't easy enough for the majority of the realm to just accept it except Gerald Royce who approached him at the wedding at the end and accused him of killing Rhea Royce so it, it, if he was with him you can't just kill them both and leave both bodies there as at that point it's obviously a murder and we don't know who it is but we do know that the king did command Damon to go back to the Vale to his lady wife and so people would probably be able to put the pieces together that he would be somehow involved now on the other flip side of this let's say you're right and Damon abstains from any sort of conflict here and you know it lets them go back peacefully doesn't approach them at all now we have these other options because I do believe that this was perfectly executed for him and so that way he could be free of any marriage ties by the time of the royal wedding. I really think that was the whole or- ordeal here. You know, it, it, it really just depends on the timeline of events. Like, did, did this happen at the same point in time where Viserys went to Driftmark and got Corlys's, you know, not gonna say permission, but got him to agree to the wedding between Lenor and Rhaenyra. Like you know, because I know like a sequence of events on screen, it looked like it looked like that came first, and yeah, I'm talking about like Damon attacking like Rhea and killing her. That came first before they went to Driftmark. But you know, it's very possible that it could have happened during the same you know time frame, or that that could have happened before, and we just saw the Damon thing first. It just we just it would just depend on the sequence of events and when they took place, because of course if Damon killed her first before he even knew about the royal proposition or the proposal then it doesn't make sense for him to need to be single by the time the wedding was there because he wouldn't known of a wedding period now if it you know in my mind he does know about this wedding or at least maybe it got back to him that that was a proposal that was going to be made i think he did like you know he would run into this issue where if he let gerald royce and ray royce go he's still married by the time the royal wedding comes around and he doesn't interact with the people he interacts with at the wedding talking about Lena Valarian and you know potentially Rhaenyra you know as before she's about to be wed so I think it was definitely calculated on his part to make sure he was single and no marital ties by the wedding but then it's like if we go back to that and they are killed now like I said it's hard to explain two dead bodies off and now he's got to come up with a whole different set of plans here if we, he did let them go, like, how can I still get out of this marriage and still get my inheritance? Because, obviously, if he is found guilty of killing his lady wife, he's not getting that inheritance. Like, he's not getting all of Runestone, like, you know? So, if, if it's murder, that makes that kind of throws it into question. So, it, he has a really tough choice to make because he's either got to adjust his plans on the fly or, you know, just accept the fact that he might end up causing a war in the Seven Kingdoms over, you know, gaining some land and some... You know, maybe people that go along with that that area in Runestone. So, it just I, I I don't I can't give a direct answer about what would happen if Gerald was there during the time because, like you said, I don't think it'd be much difficult. It'd be very difficult at all for Damon to kill both of them. I don't think I mean I wasn't mentioning it in a way where I think Gerald Royce would give Damon a run for his money in hand to hand combat. That wasn't more so what I was thinking. I was thinking like the consequences that right. follow. You know what I mean? Because I, I I agree with you 100. percent I think Damon could wipe the floor with both of them with probably one hand behind his back. But, right. um, yeah. <laughs> you know, so it just, it's just more so, you know, the, the fallout, the potential fallout after 
the action's either taken or not taken because both have consequences. If you don't take this action, you're, you have marital ties by the time this wedding goes on. You can't seduce whoever you're going to seduce there to become, you know, your future wife, so to speak, you know, because obviously next week we're going to get into, you know, a little bit of, of where things happen and who marries who and all that good stuff. So not to give anything away, but, you know, I just think you're in a really tough position that way. And, you know, that's why, that's why um, you know, I think he'd have to adjust his plan on the fly. And I don't know if it would work out as well. And who knows what would have happened from there. But those are my thoughts on, on that side of things. Absolutely. Um, a question for you about your debate. Yeah. Do you think, because we know we've discussed this here, this is the last time you'll see uh, the younger versions of Alicent and Rhaenyria. And then it, it kind of does a time jump next episode. Do you think this show, even though this part uh, didn't happen in the books, you know, they're kind of taking some things into their own free will here. Do you think it would have been better if they slowed it down a little and maybe you saw some more of the fallout from Lady Rhea's death into that house and what happened and with him coming over to the marriage scene and maybe say if Damon did happen to be a little bit more on the accusation line not as much as like how Tyrion was in Game of Thrones but you know, you saw more of that conflict there, and they took this a little bit slower. Do you think it would have been better that way? Yeah, I definitely think it would have brought a new piece to the puzzle. But I think we had mentioned it seems as if House of the Dragon is only going to go four seasons, and maybe they had to move some things along, and that would have just been like a side conflict that maybe didn't... You know, I think it could have held some dire consequences one way or the other for the realm, but I guess it's just a direction that they didn't want to go in, right? So... Um, yeah, I think it'd been cool to see that and to see if that would have played any sort of role when you know push comes to shove and you know we hit the peak of of a clash. Um, yeah, I think that would have been really cool to see that slowed down and at least make it another thing that we've got to think about in the back of our heads while all like the main plot is is going on. So yeah, I think that'd be cool if they would have slowed that down. I don't I don't hate what they did. I think it still made sense for the majority and. You know, I kind of like things that are difficult to follow because some of these episodes yeah. would jump like a year in an episode or three years in an episode. Then all of a sudden we got this 10-year jump you know, from this episode here to next week's episode. So it's just really interesting how, how it, it, it's coming there. And I enjoy it. I think it, it, it's, it's a fun challenge to you know, analyze a show that you really got to think about and include like, time hops in and stuff. So I'm cool that either way. But I, yeah, I think that would have been nice to have that slow down and be able to see if that would have played a role uh, going into... This, this big conflict that this whole series is leading up to. I think so, too. And it's uh, what's an interesting thought is, remember when Game of Thrones first started, you felt like it took like three months for them to travel across, for Danny to travel across Essos or for Jon Snow just to like make his way outside the wall. <laughs> and then they started like teleporting. And now we're like transporting years into the future and we're in this still same universe. So... Just interesting. For my debate for the day, let's take a look back at the sulking bitch. <laughs> so for my debate for the day is Sir Crispin, was it? Sir Kristen Cole. <laughs> Your grace. <laughs> so Sir Kristen, do you think Kristen Cole 
actually loved Rhaenyra for who she was and wanted to sacrifice everything because he truly loved her or he was not he was trying to regain what he lost with his purity with his cloak uh and what do you think would have happened if they chose to run off together do you think Viserys would have been forgiving for that or what do you think would have happened at that point well I think that he really did love her. I, you, you don't get that hurt over something, over you know losing a shred of honor. I don't think you know. So for me, it was more he got his heart broken hard for the first time. I mean, we've all been through it, right? Our, you know, they always say they had that one song, "The first cut is the deepest," right? So when you mm-hmm. when you have that first heartbreak, you take it the hardest of all the ones that will follow and. I just I think that was an unfortunate moment of him giving up a, a bit of like who he was and, and put, putting what he worked his whole life for at risk for this woman and putting his heart out there just to n- and not come to fruition in the way he desired, you know, because he he wanted um, he even said him let's do a marriage for love, you know, instead of this political nonsense. So I think he really loved her intensely and passionately. And I, 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 even part of me thinks that she may have reciprocated most of those feelings, maybe not as intensely, but she wanted to make sure they could maintain relationships. And, you know, I, could, I saw their relationship growing closer at, like, as the episodes passed from number one through here to number five. Um, yeah, so I, I do think that it was a true love scenario. He felt the love emotions, and it wasn't just because, you know, he's like, ah, darn it. I done screwed up my vows, <laughs> like you know what I mean. Like I, I definitely think it was more so he thought he like that that their love would overcome it, what her duties were, and you know to the second part of your debate, if they did decide to to run for it and, and go with those piles of oranges on the boats and ships, uh, I I think <laughs> that um, they, they would have been pursued if not by. Um, Viserys himself later on throughout the years after Viserys died because at that point in time if she drops her claim to the throne or whatever she's still alive and it's still a threat and they and she's still got a dragon and can come back at any time and still cause a problem or pose a threat and because of that I don't believe Otto you know I don't want to say anything because whatever but my point being is there's some people that come back into power and into play here as these as these shows go on or on the episodes go on and I don't think he would have or and they would have if we talked about like you said we mentioned this is where we kind of first see Team Green right when the old town said we have you know we, we stand by your side you know Queen Allison here so I don't believe they could have allowed Rhaenyra to live so they would probably have pursued them through Essos and the Free Cities and try to eliminate any potential challenge, even though they got what they wanted with Aegon on the throne here at this point, because that's what would have happened if they would have ran off. Aegon would have took the throne. I don't think they would have lived happily ever after. I definitely think that they would have been tried. They would have been pursued, and you know they would they would try to kill them. And on top of that, as well, not even just from that side of things, where it comes to the the, the team Green versus the Rhaenyra here at this moment in Essos, but when we got to think about what would happen with Damon, like where does he come into play if these people run off together? If if Rhaenyra and and Chris and Cole run off at some point, maybe he just gets like he's like hell no. Maybe he thinks it's more of a 
uh, he kidnapped her type deal, and then all of a sudden you got Damon on Kristen's ass. <laughs> like I don't know, dude. And, then, <laughs> and you got like Caraxus and uh, Cyrax having like this little conflict. Maybe if he goes there and she tries to, he tries to take her back, and and Kristen doesn't have like who knows? Like there's, it just could be a whole pile of shit. But like in a fun way to watch on screen. Don't get me wrong. Like I would still tune in for that. But I just I don't I don't think it's gonna. You know, obviously he had no like you mentioned he had no plan. It was just like yeah let's just go and like you know whatever happens happens. Like no dude like you guys are gonna put yourselves in danger for the rest of your life. And if you don't have a plan you're fucked. So that's kind of my my take on it is that they would they would not be living happily ever after. They would have. Uh, you know, threats on their life consistently until they finally did pass away from old age, or if one of the, you know, attempts on their life were successful. That's that's my thoughts on it. There. I don't know. What do you think about it? I agree with you 100. percent I mean, I wonder what his thought process was there. Like jump ship and like swim to safety. Like where was he gonna go? Like you, they were sailing to driftwood. Like what if they chose to run there? Like were they gonna hop ship? Like jump ship and swim to the next island and then kind of go from island to island and try to get to his patches of oranges i just don't know what went through his head i mean i agree with you 100 percent. i think he truly did love her because no one breaks down like that uh unless you're truly in love and especially you know i don't want to give anything away but how it affects him for a long period of time <laughs> that's what i'll say with that but uh I think it would have been fun to watch on screen, but it definitely would have taken this storyline off course. Like, talk about going off the rails there. Like, it definitely would have taken it off course. And even to the point of, like, uh, ironically, you know, we've talked about, like, Jenny of Oldstones before. So the person she married was Prince Duncan, not Duncan the Tall. It was another Duncan, but he actually lost his name, and they referred to him as uh, Prince of Dragonflies because... He was so basically um, dishonored at that point for doing that. This would have been an even worse situation. Not only that, like, at least, like, you know, that Duncan stayed, like, in the vicinity of the realm. They were talking about running off like fugitives and just going to wherever. Not only I think she would have been disinherited, but just like you were saying, you would have had probably Otto and these people probably track her down as, like, assassins and stuff. Just like we see in Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, <laughs> trying to bring him back, you know. And then you probably would have had some situation where, you know, it kind of would have been like the long night, but with Jorah, like Kristen Cole was like fighting him off until he died. And then Rhaenyria is sitting there like Danny crying over his body, but she's still dragged back <laughs> to King's Landing at that point. So I don't know, man. I, but I agree with you. I think he did truly love her. Um, but before we close out, I want to do one quick. Well, hold we on a second. I still had a second oh, debate yeah. that I wanted to talk about. Oh yeah, you had another debate. <laughs> yes, there. and like one that was. That's actually right, important. the important one. Go for it. Yeah. yeah, take it away. Sneaky, sneaky, sir. So my point here that I want to make with this is that I'm just curious as to what punishments are due for certain crimes, because the thing I'm going to talk about is the wedding where. Chris and Cole beat the shit out of Lon- like Joffrey Longmouth lit- to literal death. Like his face was mush. Like you could see it when they turned his face to his side. It was like mushy and squishy. It was nasty. But my point being is, while he was beating him, remember, Lainor tried to pull Chris and Cole off him, and Chris and Cole stood up and punched Lainor in the mouth. Like struck the king consort. 
How is that not grounds for penalty of death if you strike the king consort? And so then at that point in time, if the, it is the penalty is death for that, a lot of things don't happen if Chris and Cole dies in this episode going forward. So it's just like, where are we? What punishments fit what crimes here? Because in my mind, if you strike with the soon-to-be king consort, like that, that is a death penalty. You know, we've seen people get killed for way less than that, you know? Like, so I don't know. I think that's like the thing I want to talk about. The, you know, what would happen? If, not, not so much what would happen if Kristen Cole was, was killed, but like, why wasn't he? Like, why was there no punishment for that at all? It's like, like they didn't even, and not only that too, like, let's talk about this. Like, why didn't he even get punished for disrupting the whole wedding in the first place? He caused this whole brawl. And it's like, they just look past it. Like, it's no big deal. Like, ah, don't worry about it, man. It's all good. Like he got zero punishment. At all. If anything, actually, he got promoted. He got promoted. <laughs> he got like, promoted, Which is yeah. the most ridiculous thing. I think we really need to talk about this. Is that like, I just don't know how he escaped any sort of punishment for disrupting the entirety of a royal wedding, killing a guy, and striking the king consort. Like, how the fuck do you get away with that? Scott clean, too. Like, Scott clean. He, no one was putting any punishment on him. He was just going to commit suicide because he felt so bad. Because he was sulking in the corner. That's wild. You know what? See, I do think George needs to go ahead and finish Wins a Winter and Dream of Spring before he does any side projects. But that would be an interesting book to read. Probably the most boring book in the world. But if he came out with a book that he wrote that was like the master of laws, that was like all the laws in the realm, since he's been coming out with all these other like history books and stuff, that would be uh, interesting to read. But... um I have no idea how he, he managed to get away with that. But what I'll say is what's funny is if you go back to like the original Game of Thrones, if that was like someone, I couldn't see Robert Baratheon, Baratheon putting up with that shit. And I couldn't definitely couldn't see Joffrey putting up with that shit so like i don't know i guess that goes into the thoughts of how you were saying viserys the peaceful maybe he just like was so done at that point was like i'm gonna get them married in this small court i don't want to deal with it i'm forcing this this is gonna happen uh whatever he's a king's guard i really don't give a shit just get the fuck out of my face <laughs> like i don't want to deal with it i don't want to wish you any punishments i don't want to wish them any punishments i don't want to deal with it anymore Maybe that's why. But yeah, dude, the guy interrupted the entire ceremony. Literally, this was the Kristen Cole show, everybody. Like, this was not Rhaenyria Targaryen's wedding and Laenor Valyrian's wedding. This was the Kristen Cole magic show. After he just went ballistic and wailed on Joffrey. This is insane, man. I have no idea how you're getting away with that. You would think he would have at least been pulled off by, like, some of the other people like Sir Harold or something, right? And then brought into contempt in like the dungeons or something. I have no idea, dude. The guy got away Scott clean and maybe it's because, you know, him and Allison are pretty cool now because because Allison's mad at Rhaenyria and he's pissed at Rhaenyria. So he's like, oh yeah, got a new girl, got a new girl. So I have no idea, man. I, I have no clue. What's your thoughts? He got away with literal murder. <laughs> like, he, like, like that—that that was a whole deal. Remember, in the very beginning of this series, the very first episode, when Damon went through with the the city watch and 
were punishing people for their crimes. You know, you took the hands of thieves, you took the dicks of rapists, and then took the head of murderers. He murdered someone that everyone saw. There was all the witnesses. The king himself <laughs> saw it. Everyone saw it. He murdered this guy in cold blood. And they just did not punish him at all. Didn't spend one night in a cell that we saw. Like I said, even better. They promoted him. He said, you know what? Like, <laughs> so I don't know how he got away with this. So yeah, I, 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 a lot of it was me thinking about the striking of the king consort. But then I'm thinking about, like, damn, no, like, he legit just murdered someone in front of everyone in the realm who came for the wedding, all these witnesses, and he faced zero repercussions for his actions. That is the craziest thing. I have no answers for that. <laughs> that's all. I, I, I don't know. That's a question for George, because I would think that's a plot hole. I, I have no idea. <laughs> Maybe something happened behind the scenes. Like The only thing know, that I could think of is that maybe Alicent over not overruled King Viserys, but basically said, no, you will not punish him. He helped me out. He was doing something for me because, like, Alicent is where yeah. the information was. Like, you know, Kristen Cole gave Alicent the information that she needed to, to know about, you know, his relationship with Rhaenyra. And she's the one that stopped him from killing himself out there by the Godswood tree. So that's the only thing I could really think of to answer that is that she put her foot down and fought like hell to make sure he didn't face any sort of punishment. But as you mentioned, because we're doing all these time jumps, we don't see anything like that. Like all of a sudden, when we come in next week, we're 10 years down the road. So it's like, you know, these are some of the things that would be nice to get an answer to. So that's the, but that is out of all of the ways that this could have gone, that's the only way I could think of where this guy gets off, like, scot-free without any sort of punishment, unless it's a plot hole, is if Allison's like, no, he did this on behalf of me, he's not being punished, like, I don't know, but... Yeah, you, you know, the queen can't overrule the king, so I just don't know how he, she would persuade him. And I just, you know, Viserys does have a peaceful nature. Maybe she could have played to that, and, and on top of that, asking him to do her, like, her a favor as his husband, as her husband. I don't know, man. That's the only, only, only explanation that I could possibly have is that Alicent defended him and made it a big point. Like, no, this, you cannot punish him. That's my only thing. And I do want to say this, like, think of that, like, that's a big thing. Like, imagine if you saw, like, Kristen Cole put on trial for what he did. You don't see any repercussions from this. You don't see, you would think Lenor would be pissed. You don't see any of that. Like, you don't see any animosity between Lenor and Kristen Cole. None of that. Like, none of uh, the Valyrians are upset about it. Anyone from Joffrey's side, you don't really know a whole lot about, like, his side of the family, but... Like, absolutely no repercussions, no tension in the air, no nothing. Dude got away. Dude got away with murder and was Scott clean. I've never seen anything like that. That's insane, man. That's crazy. Um, I do want to throw this Malice in the Chalice card quickly uh, because, actually, this is, you know, we had some big news over the weekend Jay Nelly brought this to my attention. It is one of our big franchises here. News has broke out. Uh, unfortunately, our favorite uh, Geralt of Rivia will only be lasting one more season as the head of The Witcher. Luckily, we do have him for one more season, Henry Cavill, and he will be Superman. So that's pretty cool. Uh, I hope he said he's going to be Superman in the future. But... Um, 
they have replaced him with Liam Hemsworth, the younger brother of Chris Hemsworth, also known as the God of Thunder. <laughs> we have covered Thor on this show. Um, but my the reason I really enjoyed Henry Cavill is he seemed dedicated to the character of Geralt, who we become fond of on this show. And he, one thing we've always talked about with this being a fantasy show, I feel like if you stick to the writing in books uh, that was laid out ahead of you, usually the writing uh, turns out very well. And it, and same thing with character portrayals. And that's what Henry Cavill seemed to be really good at, was he really knew the role well for Geralt and knew the source material from the books. There has been rumors that he he wanted to leave because of Marvel or because of Superman. Also, there's been rumors that uh, despite a couple years ago, he actually did state in, state in an interview he was dedicated for seven seasons to The Witcher as long as they stayed true to the source material. There's been rumors that he has gotten in conflicts with the writers and directors on them not staying true to source material and has chosen to leave, which I think that would be very... Um, very sad if they didn't want to stay true to source material and we really see this show spiral out to be something that um, we didn't expect. Uh, what are your thoughts on this? My thoughts are the series is never going to be the same because I believe that Henry Cavill's portrayal of Geralt of Rivia was very, very accurate and you could tell that he had poured his heart and soul into that. He would be reading... The, I feel like he probably knows The Witcher from, from the novels that were written, at, if not as good, better than the writers and directors of the show. He was very invested in making sure it stayed true to that, and I don't necessarily see anyone else taking it to the extent that Henry Cavill did to where it potentially, again, it's rumors, we don't know if it's fact or not, but potentially causing conflicts with you know, members of the production team to make sure that, hey, we need to stay true to this and make sure that this stays a high-level show for a long time, like the seven seasons that you'd mentioned. So it, it, it's sad because I do think it's going to ruin the series for a lot of people. Uh, you, you get used to one main character. And it's, it's one thing if, you know, you kill off the main character and then another one comes into play. But from my understanding, it's just like, Liam Hensworth's going to take over Geralt of Rivia with uh, just like basically try to pull pull one on us like oh you know it's a different one but it's the same character it's like what how the hell can you sit there and do that man so I'm just disappointed I'm disappointed that you know it couldn't work out I, I know maybe it's scheduling wise with other stuff that Henry Cavill's gotten on or maybe it's maybe it is the conflict between you know the production team and you know what he wanted to stay true, true to as a character and maybe it's something else entirely that we don't know about i don't know I, all i know is i don't think it benefits this series at all i think it if anything it's going to be uh, it's going to have a negative outcome like i'm not i don't think a lot of people are going to view the witcher the same after season 3 when he plays uh, Geralt of Rivia for the final time before the series transitions to Liam Hemsworth as Geralt of Rivia. So that's my thoughts on it, man. Yeah, my thoughts are what's going to happen is you're going to see a major ramp up of streamers for that last <laughs> that season that's coming out next year. And you're going to have a major ramp up and then there's going to be a major drop off. Um, I could see it even working if, say, 
you know, he, he wanted to really step out and then they made it less about Geralt and you made it more about Cirilla and she starts taking more of that role. That would even be a thought or someone even had the idea of doing like a time jump or something. But it's just and I want to give Liam Hensworth a chance. Like, I do want to say that I think he deserves a chance. Um, it's not, you know, uh, my place to ever um judge someone before they're giving a chance on their portrayal but however i do want to say that's as if you replace Jon snow in the first two seasons of game of thrones with some random he's not random but with some other actor and then you're just expecting us to accept that this is the way it is and i don't think it stays the same and it's unfortunate because in my opinion, I think The Witcher could have been something very unique. Um, very unique in the essence of kind of right in the middle of that Game of Thrones Harry Potter. That could have been a juggernaut for Netflix if they had played their cards right. But we'll see. You know, maybe there's still hope. Who knows? We still got an extra season there. We got the Blood Origins coming out. And another uh, side note, good news. I did see this. HBO Max, uh, they are trying to get permission from jk rowling to do another set of harry potter series so we don't know what that is we don't know if it's going to be good bad a trivia show like last time where we thought it was the marauders it was some trivia show hopefully it's a good thing hopefully there's more good news to come uh versus that uh but that just is what it is but uh yeah you want to go ahead and close us out for the day yeah and just real quick before i do uh, from my understanding, the Harry Potter announcement, and, and, and they're in talks right now, but the rumor is, I should say, is that it's going to be a Voldemort origin story. Like, they're going to follow, so follow the rise of Voldemort and like where he was and how he became who he is. And I think that the, the rumored title is, remember when, uh, I think it was in Chamber of Secrets, where he had like the letters he put in the air and re- rearranged uh, Tom Marvolo Riddle to I am Lord Voldemort. The, apparently, yeah. the rumored title is I am Lord Voldemort, which is kind of cool. So cool. I think that is what the rumor is. Again, I can't confirm it, but uh, that is what I have heard on my end, and I think that'd be really interesting to see. I'd, I'd watch it, but again, they're yeah. they're in early talks. We got to make sure that it how it plays out. Yeah, I guess. Uh, in terms of that, though, guys, you know, it's been it's been a nice one today. We talked about a lot of different things, and you know, not just House of Dragon style, but other things that we cover on the, on the show too. Like we talk about The Witcher, the changes there, then you know, potentially, you know, hopefully having some good news, Harry Potter related, and you know, this is exactly why we love fantasy fiction. So if this is your first time listening to us. We hope you enjoyed what you heard. If you've been sticking with us from the very beginning, again, you guys are the shields that guard the realms of fantasy. So thank you for that as well. When it comes to social media and where you can follow along, click like, subscribe, all that great stuff, leave comments, all that. We are on Instagram at official ridiculous patronus. We're on TikTok at ridiculous patronus. Backup Instagram at fact underscore or underscore fantasy. Backup TikTok at fact underscore or underscore fantasy. We're also on Facebook, Chase and Josh Factor Fantasy. YouTube ridiculous patronus. We're on Twitter, RP Factor Fantasy. Snapchat, RP Factor Fantasy. And we do have our own site, ridiculous dot com which is fully updated as well now 
when it comes to the podcast side of things and where you can hear the content in our episodes like today. You can, if you are an Apple user, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, you can find us on iTunes. If you're an Android user, you can find us on Google Play, you can find us on Spotify, we're on iHeartRadio, we're on Audible, we're on Amazon Music, we're on Podbean, we're on Stitcher, we're on Acast, wherever you get your podcasts, Chase and Josh, Factor Fantasy are there, but we are out for the day, because you know this has been another ridiculous production. Chase and Josh, Factor Fantasy, signing signing off. off.